0: it's time for forward nation radio now here he is the host of forward nation radio david leventhal welcome to forward nation radio i'm david leventhal thank you for joining us for this week's show on which I will be discussing Trump's latest betrayal of an ally, the Syrian Kurds, as well as the United States, the latest on the impeachment-worthy crimes committed by Trump and his co-conspirators, and we'll take a listener question on U.S. democracy. Yes, in other words, it will, as usual, be unrelentingly depressing. But let's start out on a bit of a lighter side. We haven't discussed yet on the show Trump and his moat, It's been about a couple of weeks and somehow it's gotten buried under the rug with all the, I don't know, impeachment worthy stuff going on in this country. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the president of the United States and his grand master plan to build a moat along the United States-Mexico border, the thousands of miles there, and to stock it with snakes poisonous snakes and alligators and other nasty and dastardly creatures that would uh, convince people not to go across the moat. For those who couldn't be convinced, he thought that shooting them might be a good idea from on top of the border wall. Target practice for customs and border, I guess. Before he was told that uh, that actually wasn't legal and he was very disappointed that he couldn't shoot, that he couldn't order them to be shot. So he suggested he shoot maybe they, that they just be shot in the leg or something that that would be okay. This is this is not a joke. This is the president of the United States. The not a joke part was interesting because apparently he has so little imagination, not to mention brains and decency, that it turns out that this boat idea came from several other people before, always jokingly, people who knew that the idea of building this thing, which. I don't know how to, how to put this. It is absurdly absurd. Like one absurd isn't enough. It's not just absurd. It is absurdly absurd. It is ridiculously ridiculous. The idea to build a moat, much of it through the Rio Grande River, I guess, and all along the border with the United States and Mexico. Other people had joked about it, ridiculed the idea. Donald Trump, Okay, demonstrating, again, what it really means to be a half-wit, got the part of the fact that they were saying it, but didn't get the wit part. That's the half he was missing. Didn't understand that they were ridiculing the whole process of this, the whole idea of it. He thought it was a good idea. And I think, aside from starting us off on a little bit of a lighter note, because it's all downhill from here, uh, I, I... It's worth thinking about this as we look at all the other issues going on in this country, including, of course, impeachment, which we'll be spending a bunch of time on today. And everybody is trying to figure out what is Donald Trump's master plan. As we try to unravel his great and glorious master plan, it's worth keeping in mind that the man is not capable of planning He thinks building a moat along the U.S. border is a good idea. When you are thinking of grand strategy, of Dr. Evil here, just keep that in mind that we are dealing with a president of the United States for whom Plato may be above his actual recommended age. Anyway, let's move on to to somewhat darker tales. Uh, You, I'm sure, have already heard about the fact that Trump spoke to the autocratic and uh, sectarian head of Turkey, Erdogan, and gave him the green light during their conversation to invade and slaughter our allies, the Kurds in Syria. Our allies who have helped us with regard to the Syrian civil war, who have helped us battle ISIS. Well, Donald Trump, in the middle of a conversation with the president of Turkey, thought it would be a good idea to overturn long-held U.S. policy and just say, sure, we'll get our soldiers out of the way. Just give us a few moments to get our soldiers out of the way before you go in and potentially slaughter all of our allies. When Trump got off the phone and announced that this is what he had decided to pull out of his master plan asshole, uh, even Republicans were shocked that he would do this. Even Fox News, even evangelicals, Pat Robertson, said that Donald Trump's mandate from heaven was, in fact, under threat. Ooh, that's saying something when Pat Robertson threatens your mandate from heaven. But Trump, of course, backtracked and said, well, yeah, I did that. But, of course, I know he's not going to do the wrong thing. I know he's not going to invade, even though I just told him to go ahead and do it. Because, and I'm sure you haven't missed this either, because this was all a master plan from Donald Trump stemming from his, and here's a Donald Trump quote, his great and unmatched wisdom. That's the way Donald Trump described himself, his own wisdom, great and unmatched wisdom. At which point, just a quick digression here, want to reach out to any Trump supporter who might've fallen in and, and turned on this show by mistake. When you listen to this guy talk, do you seriously not get alarm bells go off? Do you not realize there's something seriously wrong with this so-called human being? Anyway, spoiler alert, and this will surprise nobody, Erdogan immediately went in and invaded. (laughs) As soon as Trump gave him the green light, got our troops out of the way, and counted with his brilliant wisdom, unmatched wisdom, that Erdogan wouldn't do it, Erdogan did it. Anyway, what was Donald Trump's great and unmatched wisdom? What was this great strategy behind this? Well, let's see. It couldn't have been helping U.S. soldiers because it's now being reported that U.S. soldiers are feeling ashamed by the fact that we're doing this. These are people they have been working with. They have been relying on. And now they are throwing them under the bus or, okay, to be literal, throwing them under the tank treads. It's not taking these soldiers home. It is moving them to somewhere else so that Erdogan can go in and invade. So what other could have been the great strategy behind this? Uh, is it to send a message to our allies to get them behind us? Well, that can't really be working. As with everything else in the Trump administration, it is completely undermining our authority with all of our allies and our relationships with our allies. In fact, it's just in the news that the Kurds are now allying with the Syrian regime, the ones that for a while we had been against. Maybe the Syrian regime, the autocratic, dictatorial, murderous Syrian regime, would be better allies than the United States was. We're also hearing that the European states have cut off arms sales to Turkey, a U.S. ally, thus not even improving the whole nature of our relationship with our so-called ally Turkey, a member of NATO, I might point out. So maybe Donald Trump's grand strategy was just to undermine our worldwide battles. He said he doesn't want the United States fighting battles abroad. And in one sense, he's accomplishing that by making sure that we don't have any allies on anything. He continues, as he has since he started his presidency, to make the United States a laughingstock. And he is undermining our authority, our prestige, and yes, our leadership. It's another chance to point out that for the first time in a very, very long time, this President of the United States cannot refer to himself as the leader of the free world. So, he is undermining our strategy, our efforts to improve the neighborhood, to promote our interests worldwide, Why would he do this? What would possibly lead him to do this? The first likely answer or possible answer is that he's stupid. He's just stupid. He was having a conversation with the president of Turkey. The guy, he was trying to to ingratiate himself with whoever he's talking to. And he just came out with this stupid policy, undermining our policy. I know it's kind of convenient to say that Trump's stupid. I know that we've been warned. I've said this on the show endlessly over the last two and a half years when we've been on. I know we keep getting warned by people. Do not underestimate this man. Sorry, he makes it really, really difficult because he just screams out, I am stupid. Now, how is that possible that a man this stupid could be this successful? That's That's not even a hard leap to make. Because Donald Trump was born filthy rich. Take a look at most of his family. If you are born filthy rich, you have no incentive not to be incredibly stupid. You certainly don't have any incentive to work hard for the future. By being this filthy rich and having everybody, everywhere he goes, give in to him and agree to what he wants simply because of how powerful and how rich he is, this should not be mistaken for strategy, even for the ability to connive his way in the business world. This is just walking through life with Teflon coating, unable to be touched by anything. I'm, I'm reminded of this whenever I think about the filthy rich and winning all the time. I'm reminded of... When I was in law school, my second summer, I worked half my summer at one of the most prestigious law firms in the world, a law firm in New York called Simpson, Thatcher, and Bartlett. At the time, it was being run pretty much singly um, by its directing partner, a guy by the name of Richard Beatty. And uh, he was th- therefore, he was one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful, lawyer in America and clearly had the wealth. To match that. Well, I remember during the time I was there over the summer, they tried to impress the summer associates by taking us on a golf and tennis outing at a country club with which they have a relationship. And I remember that I joined up to be part of the doubles tennis tournament. And I remember before we got on the I guess before we got on the buses or wherever the hell we went there, I was told in no uncertain terms, you do not beat Dick Beatty. If you have the chance to play against him. If you go so far as to be matched up against him, you make sure you throw the match. I remember I remember just being absolutely dumbstruck, just mind boggled at the idea that this rich and powerful man, one of the most powerful people on the planet, had such a tiny little ego that he needed people to throw tennis matches to him at the annual firm outing. Well, this is the kind of rarefied world that Donald Trump lived in. So the idea that people think that people can't be this successful and be this stupid, I beg to differ. You absolutely can be. So, but maybe it's not just his stupidity. We also know that Donald Trump is egotistical. He's a narcissist. Okay. Uh, Erdogan flattered him. And Trump wanted to be seen as the good guy. Wanted to be looked at well by the guy he's talking to. For two and a half years of the Trump presidency, it's been clear that that's exactly how he operates. He just needs the approval of people around him. Which is why his staff, basically, when they get together, it's just a periodic suck fest. Because Donald Trump needs to be told how great he is. And of course, part of that ego and narcissism is that everything for him is about personal gain. We are making a mistake when we look at this as analyzing it as to what's in the interests of the United States of America. Because Donald Trump would couldn't give the slightest crap about what's in the interests of the United States of America. In case he hasn't made it clear to anybody out there yet, he does not care what is in this country's best interest. He only cares about Donald Trump. So maybe Erdogan promised him a building permit. Maybe he promised that the Turkish delegation would stay at a Trump resort the next time they had a meeting or the next time he was at the UN or something. Or maybe, just maybe, what else could he have offered Trump? Huh, maybe he offered to interfere in the 2020 election on behalf of Donald Trump. All of these things make perfect sense as to why the President of the United States did something this stupid. So speaking of uh, Turkish help in the 2020 election, maybe Democrats should go out and ask for Kurdish help in 2020, because apparently now reaching out to foreign powers for help in undermining U.S. elections is perfectly okay. So maybe the Democrats should ask for Kurdish help in 2020. I mean, certainly the Kurds have a reason to be supporting the Democrats at this point. And fortunately, at this point, it's one that even coincides with the interests of the United States. You know, when you look at this betrayal of the Kurds, let's be clear and put this in some context, not look at this in isolation. Because for those of us who've been paying attention for a while, this is a reminder that Donald Trump is not unique among Republican presidents. He is different in degree, but not different in kind. This is a reminder of the George H.W. Bush presidency. Remember George H.W. Bush? He's the better Bush, or that's only when you're talking presidents. When you're talking all of the Bush family, he's the best Bush was until he died. Remember, this was the the best Bush, George H.W. Bush, the one we pretended to care about when he passed away. Well, for those whose recollection doesn't go back that far, during the first or at the end of the first Gulf War against Saddam Hussein to, to push back when he invaded Kuwait, George H.W. Bush, the president of the United States, reached out to the Kurds publicly and in private and said, fight to overthrow Saddam Hussein. This is your time. Rise up. Fight. Overthrow Saddam Hussein. And they did. Unfortunately, George H.W. Bush had made the decision at that point that the United States was not going to go into Iraq and overthrow Saddam Hussein having been informed by his advisors, something that his son apparently didn't have, that overthrowing Saddam Hussein would not actually be good for the region. So George H.W. Bush pulled U.S. troops out of Iraq, left Saddam Hussein in place, and allowed him to slaughter the Kurds in Iraq. So we have a long history with Republican presidents showing treachery with respect to the Kurds. And as you look at this story, as you look at, how this is playing out and it's playing out not well for the United States. Not only is, are the Kurds already turning to Syria? They're also letting out ISIS fighters that they've been detaining on behalf primarily of the United States of America, leading to a classic onion headline this week, jubilant ISIS prisoners hail American liberators. You know, the one thing that we could be sure of with this treachery, it's funny how it all seems to benefit Russia. Funny how that happens. Anyway, speaking of treachery, impeachment. Yes, the impeachment train just keeps chugging along. In fact, train just doesn't seem to cut it. Not a U.S. train anyway. Maybe a bullet train from the rest of the civilized world. Maybe it would be a jet plane because... As I noted on the show last week, this is moving along at a very, very rapid clip. We've seen, as I noted, just to keep you up to date on the last week, the Donald Trump strategy continues to be playing offense. Attack, attack, attack everyone, including, but not limited to, threatening death to whistleblowers, and make no mistake talking about spies and what we did to spies, and those were the good old days when we murdered spies, remember who Donald Trump's talking to. Remember his base, people who send bombs to Democrats that Donald Trump has picked on. So Donald Trump is warning all people not to blow the whistle. He's threatening to excommunicate all Republicans who might actually get off the party line. excommunicate. I mean, we'll have Pat Robinson on that case, but of course he'll also run primary opponents to get them primaried out of office. And yet not necessarily working at this point more on that in a moment. They've been employing their scorched earth policy that we talked about last week. Do everything they can to burn the place down. If it takes splitting the baby in half, To not give in, that's fine. Split the baby in half. Just fight to make sure you get the better half. They're creating a constitutional crisis. They're creating it by saying that they will not cooperate in an impeachment investigation. Their failure to cooperate in an impeachment investigation, by the way, an impeachable offense. Impeachable obstruction of justice. Why would they blatantly commit an impeachable offense to try to head off an impeachment investigation. People have been weighing this one. And the answer, I think, is is pretty obvious. They're so guilty. There is so much stuff that they know is being uncovered that all this stuff will look way worse for them if and when it comes out than just copying to what we already know. They will try to downplay, also part of the strategy, and limit the impact of these impeachable offenses in order, I'm willing to bet, to head off even more egregious impeachable offenses from coming to light. Why would a man so obviously act guilty? Because he's obviously guilty and he's willing to cop to the things that we already know he's guilty of, if he can only get away with some of the things we don't know he's guilty of. And here's the thing so far with that strategy. I said last week, it's going to be an important few weeks right in the very beginning of this impeachment inquiry and whether the Trump administration can hold the line and keep everybody in a row, keep their ducks in a row, so to speak. And yet, despite their promises that nobody would cooperate, it looks like people are lining up to testify anyway, including the people they've told not to testify. And why would it be that they're going to testify? Again, the only thing I can assume here. People could say, "Well, it's because they believe in in the United States of America and they have a job and they were yeah, all right, that's all bullshit. Let's let's not even pay lip service to that garbage. These people were chosen because they don't give a shit about anything except Donald Trump and themselves. They're lining up to testify. Again, I think this is pretty apparent because somebody's sitting them down in a room and going, here's the evidence we have against you. And here's what we have evidence of. And here's the thing. You're going to go away for a very, very, very long time. And if you make this more difficult for yourself, you're going to go away for an even longer time. So you better start dealing now. You better start selling out your boss right away. And as I indicated, if this is what's going on, if the cracks in the wall have started, this dam is going to burst. It turns out that this and every other strategy they've tried is crumbling as soon as they're trying it. Trying to keep all their ducks in the pond, keep everyone cooperating, that's not working. But every other strategy is crumbling as soon as they try as well. The idea, this was a fun one. They started off with a the, there's no direct witness. This is all hearsay. It's all secondhand information. You don't have a primary source. Well, that one's gone. I mean, it was gone first because Donald Trump became the primary source. Donald Trump outed himself. He became his own deep throat. But now, of course, it's being reported all over. New York Times ran with a headline, an intelligent official with firsthand knowledge has provided information related to President Trump's dealings with Ukraine. Another whistleblower came out after the first one. This one does have first-hand knowledge. So, okay, we'll move on to bullshit defense number two, the next one. And they're still throwing out that no quid pro quo defense as it crumbles all around them as well. As I noted on the show last week, the most important thing about the quid pro quo is defense is there is no quid pro quo defense. Quid pro quo isn't even required to make the case. This was some actual decent legal strategy from, from one of the morons running Trump's defense where they said, let's, as they did with the Mueller report, let's turn this into a referendum on something that we didn't actually do or that doesn't is isn't even necessary or that they're not going to be able to prove. And let's make it like that's what the whole story is. And the media has been following suit on this one. But here's the funny thing. Quid pro pro quo may not be necessary. It is not necessary. But as I noted last week, there was one anyway. And it's become even clearer that there was not only one quid pro quo, one blatant, but lots and lots and lots of manifestations of this quid pro quo. It's been almost comical to see the litany of information coming out, the tweets that they've already gotten a hold of in Congress that make it perfectly clear that this was absolutely a quid pro quo all along the line. Uh, Looking at this, Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to the European Union, a total political hack, an ultra-rich Donald Trump donor, a mega donor to Donald Trump, who was given this political appointment in the European Union, is now knee-deep in all this garbage, who was originally told not to appear, and they would not appear, but he's now set to appear next week, or this week, I guess. Um, It turns out that he's on a whole bunch of texts, humorously making it clear how much of a quid pro quo there are. Uh, There was there are texts already turned over, some of which you've probably heard about. But I just I love the uh, you can't possibly. This is terrible that you are making U.S. military aid dependent on our raising this bogus investigation and helping Donald Trump win an election to which he responds. I think we better continue this conversation by phone call. And then a day or two later, the person got back to him. And said, I think this was the, at this point the ambassador, uh, the ambassador to Ukraine, who got back and said, "Okay, seriously, I literally cannot believe that you are doing this. That you are making this uh, this quid pro quo. You are making this dependent, military dependent upon on, on help." This was Bill Bill Taylor, ambassador Bill Taylor. As I said on the phone, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. That's what he texted, and Congress has that text. To which, of course, Sondland replied, have it gone to the White House. Re- I want to be clear that there's no quid pro quo. To anybody reading this, I'm adding that part. To anybody reading this, let me be clear that what he's saying about an obvious quid pro quo, there is no quid pro quo here, okay? Again, though, we have other texts that show there was an obvious quid pro quo. So the next strategy, that one's good. That one's now, that that wall has cracked. We're going to have to move off the no-quid pro quo strategy. So we will seamlessly move on to the next piece of bullshit to try to justify uh, the impeachment defense, to try to stop the, the the impeachment. And that is, of course, to lie, lie, lie. Utilize the, the media to share in your lies all over the place. This embarrassing attack Uh, Basically on the media, uh, a parade on all of the uh, the media, the talk shows, etc., the political shows from all the Republican apparatchiks, the parade of people going and blatantly lying. I commented on it last week. It was comical then. It's been comical since. Although it turns out there's not a whole lot to add. There's not a whole lot of YouTube videos to add of Republicans embarrassing themselves by saying things in front of the media that are blatantly not true and are contradicted right there in front of them. And the reason for that is that at some point these people have some sense of self-preservation and apparently they're not going on the shows anymore. They won't exactly come out against Donald Trump, but at least they don't want to be caught on the media blatantly lying Kevin McCarthy and the others who've gone online and and been so embarrassed on the media that they've just decided to stop showing up on the media and instead they will just run to the safe skirts of the right-wing media and they will blast the regular media for being biased and democratic like everybody else like whistleblowers and everybody As Stephen Colbert noted, reality has a well-known liberal bias. It's not fair. Donald Trump probably doesn't get the irony of that either. So they are running to the safe skirts of right-wing media. And here's, here's a funny thing. There are kind of some cracks there too. There have been some cracks even at Fox News, State TV, who said something about maybe this, you know, isn't the greatest thing ever. Leading the Attorney General of the United States, to do a pilgrimage, a hajj, perhaps, to go visit Fox News owner and media billionaire, Australian, Rupert Murdoch, to go to his house, to visit Rupert Murdoch at his house, presumably get down on his hands and knees and kiss his ring, to say, please, you got to shore up this coverage. You, you got to stop these guys from the occasional criticism of Donald Trump. We need the propaganda. We need you on our side. God knows what the United States of America had to give up for that one. More tax breaks to come for Rupert, I guess. More waiver of, of media ownership rules for him. Was it a coincidence that just two days after the Attorney General made this hajj to Rupert Murdoch's house, Shepard Smith... One of the people on Fox News who did occasionally go off the reservation, one of the people who stood for whatever stands for integrity on Fox News, as close as you can get on Fox News, retired from Fox News two days later. I wanna, I don't want to share conspiracy theories here, but is it possible that something happened at that meeting that caused Shepard Smith to resign two days later? So don't get your hopes up for Fox News doing any better. But I will still say, as this dam continues to burst, as the tiles continue to fall, as the wall continues to crack, just wait for the sharks to come out all over this country, in media, and the Republican Party. There's nobody at Fox News or anywhere else in the right-wing media who believes in Donald Trump. And as soon as it's no longer in their interest to support him, they will be like sharks feeding on a carcass. So we've got in the news on impeachment this week. Before we move on, just a quick discussion of what I'll now consider, I guess, the four henchmen of the apocalypse. Yes, the four Donald Trump henchmen who stand out most for their criminality, their obsequiousness, their, willing, their willingness to throw any reputation they might have ever hoped for down the drain in order to become Donald Trump's lackey it's pawn. And let's start with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. And it's hard to imagine how this man who wants to be president of the United States survives this one. I'm reminded with Mike Pompeo and his actions in covering up for Trump all the time while this was going on, including being misleading, lying, basically, about being in on the phone call that started this whole mess. I'm reminded of the article by Susan Glasser a few weeks ago in the New Yorker magazine, where an article about Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, where she pointed out that a former American ambassador told her, quote, he's like a heat-seeking missile for Trump's ass, close quote. Well, it's going to get awfully hot there in Donald Trump's ass pretty soon, Mike. Bad choice there. And then, of course, we've got Attorney General William Barr, guy who in previous, re, existed in previous Republican administrations and may have had something close to a reputation to throw away. Well, remember, Barr went to go visit Rupert Murdoch at his home. Yes, the Attorney General of the United States of America, getting down on his hands and knees, going to be a supplicant for Rupert Murdoch. That really speaks well of him. But of course, we now know he's been traveling all around the world to do Donald Trump's bidding and to be his lackey. He's denying it. Who knows? Donald Trump's throwing him under the bus, too. And of course, we've got Rudy G, a man who long before the Trump administration had no reputation anymore to throw away, a man who'd become a caricature of himself, a man who'd become a caricature of a lower-level henchman in any mafia movie you've ever seen. Well, the mafia connection just looks better and better and better. Two Giuliani henchmen this week got indicted, and full mafia, full corruption on this one. All down the line, this just reeks up and down the aisle. These two guys, trying to flee the country, were arrested at the airport. They're arrested for campaign finance violations, but basically trying to move money, secret money into, into Rudy's pocket, into Donald's pocket, all over the place in order to get, it'll be fun to find out what they're getting out of all this other than being treated as the serious people and reasonable people that they've never actually been. Is Giuliani next to go down? At what point does Giuliani cave? At what point does he start to turn on his boss? Because God knows Giuliani doesn't understand the concept of loyalty. And of course, we've got Mike Pence, Mike Pence, who's a, among all the four henchmen of the apocalypse, maybe has the best defense of all. And Mike Pence's defense is, is, is pretty straightforward. And, and, and it's, I am just way too stupid to be held to account for anything that I've done. Come on, you guys know me. I'm stupid, right? Once again, you look at all this and all these actions, and it's funny how it all seems to benefit Russia. It all does seem to go back to benefiting Russia. Anyway, more on impeachment next week. I'd like to finish. Before we go today, I have a question from our longtime and most faithful listener, Santino. In a New York Times article from September 24th, Scranton, Pennsylvania was described as having a relatively non-political populace despite its electoral value as a swing district. One of the residents said that you have to have a lot less problems to worry about politics and nothing ever changes for us. He was interviewed while he and his girlfriend were discussing how the rent would be paid this month. Oh, you got to feel for them. Another resident, I'm reading, this is a quote from the email. Another resident, Sam Diana, 54, is interested in politics. He said, look, I'm not some crazy Republican. I don't have flags in my yard or hit you if you like Hillary, but if Trump doesn't get it, it's over. We'll be pushed to the side. They'll be telling people in and giving them everything. We'll get squished against the wall. And now Santino's question. How can America function when many of its citizens feel ignored by the system or worry that the other party will ignore them if it wins? And do you feel that sentiments like these are a result of democracy's absence in our society or a cause of its absence? I think that there is a negative feedback loop where less democracy inspires more political apathy, which leads to less democracy, and so on. And I think this, of course, is the $64,000 question heading into the presidential race in 2020 and all the other races, which is what to expect of the American public. And it's something that I've, of course, dealt with since I started this show, when I keep having to caution myself and be cautioned by others to treat Trump supporters with more respect than they deserve. So I want to take some of the parts of this email because it's a lengthy email and I want to deal with them separately. First, and I will quote you have to have a lot less problems to worry about politics and nothing ever changes for us was quoted. One of the people from Pennsylvania in the article. Okay. You have to have a lot less problems to worry about politics and nothing ever changes for us. Gee, I wonder why politicians aren't going to bat for you. I wonder why politicians don't uh, rise up against their donors The people looking in their shoulder, the people who are yelling and screaming at them for more and more. I wonder why they don't rise up against them and say, no, I'm not working for you. I'm working for this guy over here who's not paying attention. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to work for the guy who's not paying any attention at all because that guy deserves it because I feel bad for him. He doesn't have the responsibility to take control of his own life and try to make a positive difference. So I'm going to do it for him because after all, that's what these Republican voters believe in, lack of responsibility and accountability for your own life, right? I wonder why politicians are not going to bat for the people in this country who aren't paying attention and let themselves get screwed over all the time. I wonder why expecting more of politicians than you expect of yourself, why that turns out to not be such a great idea because their wealthy donors know what they're doing even if you don't. And I understand that you're, you have a lot, too many problems to worry about politics. I understand that idea. You know, I go to physical therapy a couple of times a week recently, uh, dealing with a shoulder injury. And it is amazing, all the guys there, how much they know about football. Football's always on, or some discussion of football is always on. And to be fair, these guys know a lot about football. I bet some of these are the same people who are saying, I don't have enough time for politics. But I could play fantasy football, and I could tell you what the third string quarterback for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, how many points he's going to bring me as a fantasy football pick. That I could tell you. But the responsibility to run this country? No, that's too hard for me. With all due respect, Ali Ahmed, take responsibility for yourself and stop blaming other people for not jumping to your defense if you won't do it yourself. Another resident pointed out, look, I'm not some crazy Republican. I don't have flags in my yard or hit you if you like Hillary. But if Trump doesn't get it, it's over. We'll be pushed to the side. Okay, I want to start by pointing out, I'm really resenting the idea that the United States has been commandeered by people who do not believe in what the flag represents. That's really starting to bother me that I see U.S. flags up in my neighborhood. And I think, oh, that's probably some Trump supporting asshole. It's really a problem that they that, that the people who don't believe in the flag are the ones who've commandeered it. But anyway, I also want to point out, I think that's kind of a low bar for like not calling yourself a crazy Republican, right? Like you're not punching Hillary supporters. You realize that that's setting kind of a low bar? I'm not a crazy Republican. I mean, yes, I do have Donald Trump posters all over my wall and I masturbate to them every night, but I don't punch Hillary Clinton voters. I mean, I'm not crazy after all. And I think about that. I, I think nobody ever thinks they're crazy. You know, everybody defines the reasonable middle as wherever the hell they are, no matter how crazy and extreme they are. I remember my conversation with the former student, the, um, the, the Orthodox uh, conservative Jew who supports a Hitler clone, but thinks that he's the reasonable middle and I'm the extremist. Here's the thing. If you support Donald Trump, you're a crazy Republican. You are insane by definition. You don't have to punch a Hillary supporter. And you might as well put up the damn flags because you're already insane anyway. Come to grips with it. You're a bigot. That's the problem here. Your assumption of economic pain caused by immigrants? It's not based on fact. Immigrants help this country. They help our economy and they help people like you for the most part. So why is it that you're so quick to buy into the narrative that they don't? It's because you're a bigot. Come to grips with that fact. And you're worried about being pushed to the side if Donald Trump is not reelected president? With all due respect, fucking moron. What the hell do you think has been happening to you for the last two and a half years? If you're being pushed to the side and you think that's a good thing, it's only because they're taking their dicks out of your butt. Oh my God, pushed to the side you're worried about? The rich people in this country who keep getting more and more and more and who this country is being run for, the ones you keep voting for, you moron. And now Santino's question, how can America function when many of its citizens feel ignored by the system or worry that the other party will ignore them if it wins? And the answer is maybe that's the best way for it to function. Maybe the best way for it to function is feel that you will be ignored if the other party wins. And here's the thing, Trump supporters. If Trump wins, you will continue to be ignored. For the rest of your life, if Trump wins, you will be continue to be ignored. You know, You should think that one party isn't representing your interests, because it's not, and that should lead you to get informed to do something about it, and fight for the people who will represent your interests. The problem isn't that you feel this way. The, The problem is that you can't tell good from bad. You can't tell who's helping you and who's screwing you. Santino goes on to ask, do you feel that sentiments like these are a result of democracy's absence in our society or a cause of its absence? I think there is a negative feedback loop where less democracy inspires more political apathy, which leads to less democracy, and so on. And I think, Santino, now you are into the crux of the issue. And yes, they are a cause, not a result. They are the cause of democracy's failure. There are all kinds of other problems with democracy that I have talked about at length on this show. Do you think any of these morons can define those? Do you think any of these people can define gerrymandering? Do you think any of them understand the concept of the Electoral College or why it's there? Do you think any of them can name any of their legislators? It is their other abdication of responsibility that has led to this mess. And I was understanding of how awful the situation is for many people and how frequently they haven't had leaders who've been representing their interests. But they've always chosen the one who is less likely to represent their interests. And I'm losing patience for that. And now that they've given us Donald Trump, a Hitler wannabe, a threat to the entire civil society of the world, I'm no longer understanding. Now I find them pathetic. I'm sickened by them. and not understanding of them. But we'll get a sense of whether these people have any whether there's any sincerity at all to this self-serving bullshit that they keep peddling because for the first time in my lifetime, perhaps we will find out because they actually have people running, people who are running to fight the system and who will represent them. We have people running against the big money and the powers that be. You want to take bets Santino and anybody else listening? As to how many of these people are going to be Elizabeth Warren supporters? That's the problem in a nutshell. Politicians are bad. Too many of our voters are even worse. That's today's show. Sorry I've gone a little bit over. And I look forward to seeing you next week. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal.